Can we could chill out for another five minutes? Is that good to you? All right, let's stand. We'll get started tonight singing uh, Leaning on the Everlasting Arms. What a fellowship, what a joy to on singing, but I, I have a question for you, and I don't know if you can think of it or you know a reference, because I'm not sure I know, but, so it said you're my friend and you're my brother, and uh, I mean, we talk about being brothers in Christ, but with the relationship between me and Christ, is it, how is it, is it a brother? I don't know if they're being, a... oh, and that means about Christ, yeah, because we're adopted, right, and so we have, and you know, we have the Son of God and we are adopted. Okay. All right. Okay, you ready? All right, third verse. I want you more than gold or silver. Only you can satisfy. 
wonderful, merciful Savior. Oh, okay. All right. Wonderful, merciful Savior, precious Good to have the Hazelwoods back with us again. Brother Dennis, you're going to have to make your way out because you're going to come up here and give us an update and tell us what's going on and why you're here and all that kind of stuff. So come on up and make your plea for tomorrow morning. So, yeah. <laughs> your sister's glad to see you. Right. Praise the Lord. All right. So, yeah, we are. We're back in town for a day. Uh, we'll be here um, tonight. Tomorrow we pick up a U-Haul at 8. And uh, we are loading it at 9 and heading back to Missouri. We actually got a house. So, you know, the Lord provided. So praise the Lord. We've already closed on it and everything. And um, and uh, I'm glad to be here to get some furniture and bring it back to the house. But the good news is when we get there as well, um, we have, well, the bus holds 48 Marines. So I don't know if we're getting 48 Marines or not. But it holds 48 Marines. Talking to Chaplain Bennett, the Marine chaplain, he said maybe realistically uh, 12 to 15, you know, but uh, uh, we also put it out to the other chaplains, so we may even get some of the soldiers in that. They're going to come. They're going to help us unload. So they're going to help us unload. They're actually, it's a community project that they do with the community in that, and I praise the Lord for it because we get to be benefactors. 
so that as well as um, um, they'll, they're even going to help us do some painting uh, if we need some painting done and things like that. So Lord's really blessing. The chaplain, he told me, he says, so you let them do all the work and everything, but I, I need you to go around and talk to them and everything and, you know, find out who they are and stuff like that and, and have them come back, you know, to the Christian Servicemen Center. So, you know, they're very supportive, you know, and they, they really uh, are embracing what, uh, what we're doing there at the Christian Servicemen Center and that, very supportive and, and uh, to the point that they're encouraging us to engage, you know, the Marines as well as the, the soldiers in that. So, uh, and, uh, you know, we're, we're just excited to get in there. So that's good. And, and this is Pastor. <laughs> you know, I've been gone at least three days, okay? So, <laughs> Pastor Tucker, this is our pastor, Landmark, and this is his son, Levi. And uh, so, yes, and, I, you know, he's a great guy. I mean, he came his whole distance with us in that. So we're, we're very excited about that. Thank you. And so... Uh, and so, yeah, tomorrow at 9 o'clock, anybody willing, able? Um, let's see. It's at the U store. What's the address? 8010 South, South Meridian. 8010 South Meridian. So two storage units. They're right there side by side. We're just going to load that U-Haul and head on back down the road uh, to Missouri and that. So, but... Yes. Yes, thank you. So, God is good. Yes. He's got 15 or 20 Marines. He needs to have 15 or 20 Marines on this end. And he's announcing it to us. So, okay, whatever. However that works, you know. That. But anyway, so if we can get him there, that'll be great. Things loaded up. Uh, on the table back there, if you did not already see it, uh, there's a giant card. On the front, it's a cross, and inside the cross are the names of most, at least, of the hymns of the month that Pastor Andrew's been teaching us over the last several years. So those titles are in there. And then on the inside, it's a message to Andrew and his family. Uh, if you don't get the joke, because several of you have come up and said, Pastor, do you know that there's a misspelling? That's on purpose. Uh, Pastor Andrew is kind of known for his misspelling. So it says, Andrew, Jessica, and family, I think it says, you will be must. M-U-S-S-E-D. So, uh, but anyway, so there's an opportunity for you to sign. It'll be out again on Sunday, but he's not here today, so uh, you're free to sign it today if you want to uh, Go ahead and get that taken care of, and that'll be a blessing to all of them as well. Um, we'll take prayer requests at the end of this night, so I'll make sure that that happens. So yesterday, uh, TNT for Mia and Josh, they had their their uh, third TNT. They were so excited. They had three new visitors, three first-time visitors again. So far, every visitor that they've had has come. So every visitor they've had in the last two weeks, three weeks, whatever it's been, has come back, so uh, they were excited about that. Um, so I think it was did they have, end up with twenty? Was it that they ended up with? 
think it was 20 teenagers, which is huge for them since they're a youth group of 10. And so, you know, they were just really thrilled with what the Lord's doing. So just continue to pray for them. They have one more TNT. And uh, so I'm praying that God would give them a salvation mess, a decision, right? That would be just exciting. There are unsaved kids. One of the kids that's coming is from a Mormon family. He's been coming now. This is his third TNT to come to. Uh, you know, so just, there's opportunities for the gospel to go forth. And so uh, just keep praying for them as, as all of those things are taking place. It's an exciting time. All right. I don't know if the... Uh, the advancer is working, correct? So, Joey, you're going to be my advancer today. Uh, we're starting up a new book uh, study. Now, listen, okay, so when I introduce the books, this is the book that we hold to, right? Every other book, you're free to just say, eh, I don't like that part of it. And that's what I expect that you would do, right? We don't always agree with these people, but we must always agree with this one. So that's what we're doing. So uh, when we do a book study... Don't, you know, don't say, I can't believe Pastor would put a book like that in our hands. Well, you know, I, here's what I believe, and I'm, gonna, I'm being honest with you. What I believe is that it's not my job to keep you from reading anything that you disagree with. I, it's my job to teach you discernment, and it's your job to discern. You understand? So if you're going to ask me, is this guy, Edward Welch, uh, is he an independent, fundamental, Bible-believing Baptist? I'm going to say probably not. All right, he went to a Baptist school. I'm just going to tell you that he's not, he doesn't run in the same circles that you and I do. Having said that, he's got a lot to teach us, and I think you're going to enjoy this little book. Uh, and so we'll have some for you available, Lord willing, next Wednesday uh, that you can uh, take a look. Tonight we're just going to do an introduction to the book and uh, kind of get, you, get your appetite wet a little bit. It's called Side by Side, Walking with Others in Love and Wisdom. And uh, so it's, it's just like it sounds, it's just the idea, so the, the pictures that I have up there, you know, I'm just putting up stuff that's, you know, how this works. People working together, being together, trying to figure out how to live life together. Uh, let's pray and then we'll jump into this. Father, we ask that you would help us as we begin this new study, that you would help us to grow in your grace, help us to learn from your word, help us to be challenged to live for you in greater fashion, to put your word to action in our lives, and we'll thank and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let's go to the next slide, Joey, and let's take a look at it. I'm going to introduce you to the author a little bit about the author. Uh, he has been counseling up there in the third box over, has been counseling for more than 35 years, and has written extensively on the topics of depression, fear, and addictions. And these are some of the titles. He's got a lot of books that are out there. Um, he is a biblical counselor, all right, that's his, that's his title, he also has a degree in psychology. That bothers some people when you try to say, oh, psychology is like sticky. Uh, it is sticky if you don't look, view it through the lens of Scripture, but he does, all right? So he's trying to view these things through the lens of Scripture. Psychology is just the study of human behavior. Uh, so he, is, he works with the Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation, and uh, that's where he works through 35 years he's been doing this. But I want, to, I want you to listen to some of the titles, because here's the insight that you're getting just from the titles, and when we go from the titles and then recognize what we're going to get in this book. When I Am Afraid, a step-by-step -step guide away from fear and anxiety. Now, when, when, a, when a biblical counselor uses the concept of fear, what are they talking about? What, what, is, what is this fear that is being spoken of here? Because I'm telling you, it's not like, 
ooh, I got startled when somebody jumped out and said boo. You know, that's not the fear that's being spoken of here. So what's, what is being spoken of here? What are we supposed to be thinking about? Worry could be a part of that, right? Yeah, worry. So say it again. Fear of dying, perhaps. So, okay, those are the things that we are afraid of. So afraid that God, God's a powerful God, but He doesn't. He, you know, my problems are different than right. That's what we sometimes think of it. But uh, the idea of this fear is a fear that is, I would call it a crippling fear. It is a fear that keeps us from doing what God has called us to do. Right? For instance, the Bible says the fear of man is bringeth a what? Snare, right? The fear of man brings a snare. So when, we, when we're afraid of people, what we do is we say, oh, I don't want to witness to this person because I'm afraid of what they might think or I'm afraid of how they might react. Well, let me ask you a question. Does God expect us to witness to people? Yes. So that's where fear becomes crippling, keeping us from doing what God has called us to do, right? So I'm really not talking about a fear of spiders. I, I bring up spiders because that is my nemesis. I don't like spiders, um, you know, and so you know, I've, I've told you guys a thousand times, but you know, it's it's true. This is absolutely what happened in my life. I was, you know, I was terrified of spiders. When we got married, I got, I would call Melody to come and kill the spiders. I'm not making it up. I couldn't bring myself to get close enough to a spider to kill him. And then God, who I think has a sense of humor, made me a father of a son. And I realized I cannot do this. I cannot let my son see daddy calling for mommy to come and kill the spider, right? So I had to get a backbone at some point and learn how to kill my own spiders. But it, and it was somewhat a crippling fear, but it wasn't like it was keeping me from obeying God. It was just keeping me from you know, looking stupid or whatever. Yeah, from being a man. Thank you, Steve. I didn't want to say it, but I'll let you say it for me. So, yeah, and so, you know, it's, that's the kind of fear that's being spoken of here. And so, it's amazing in our Christian body, whether it's Southeast Baptist or whether it's the church at large, how many Christians are crippled by fear and anxiety. It, it is. And so this book, if, you're, if you've got this situation, it's a step-by-step guide. It's a very, I like, that's what I like about this guy. He's a practical writer. It's just a step-by-step guide. How to take the Bible and make it work to overcome fear. Or I like this one. Take a look at this one. Addictions. A banquet in the grave. Think about that for a moment. Addiction is like, I can't get enough, I can't get enough. And the very thing that you can't get enough of is killing you, spiritually. Right? It's, just, it's killing you. It, it's a banquet in the grave. Look what he goes on to say. Finding hope in the power of the gospel. Do we believe that the gospel is greater than addiction? Of any kind. Are there some addictions you know somebody has that the gospel can't give them victory. What do you think? It becomes a challenge, right? So it's like, yeah, so it's a, it's a really a really good um, a good study there. Just one more, right? Just I'm going to do this just one more time, God, and I'm never going to do it again. You ever said that? You didn't say it out loud because it makes you sound stupid, right? But you said it in your heart. This is my last time. I'm, I'm, this is my last time. This is my last. This, no, no, this is my last. No, no, this is my last time. Just one more time. And he wants to bring us to a place where we can find victory over that just one more. I like this one over here in the left, in left corner. When people are big, can you read the bottom? What's it say? And God is small. When people are big, 
and God is small. I want the praise of people more than I want the praise of God. One of the interns, you know, we sit around and ask questions, and they said, we had a guy in chapel one day ask, and this is a challenging question, would you rather have $5 million or five minutes with Jesus? Ooh. And they, then they went on to proceed to tell me how the, the college students would discuss this, right? I've already had five minutes with Jesus today. I, I can have five minutes with Jesus all the time. I'm going to have eternity with Jesus. Take the five million, <laughs> right? And it's like, ooh, does that sound good to you? When, when people are big, right, what, what do people think? When I'm more concerned about what people think than what God thinks. Right? Just a moment ago, we were talking about the fear of man. I, I don't want to witness to somebody because I'm afraid of what they might think. But what does God think about my unwillingness to witness? You know, what does God think? And so uh, that's another good book for you to, uh, to read on. The other one is uh, Created to Draw Near. The whole reason we're here and we're recreated in Christ is so that we might draw near unto God, draw nigh unto God, draw nigh unto God, draw nigh unto God. That's why we're here. And so anyway, just a lot of good food for thought. That's just, he's got probably 30 books out there. And when I say books, they're like this. They're, they're booklets. They're practical books. They're not, they're not tombs. And so uh, anyway, you can read it. Let's go into the next, to the uh, next slide. Here's the premise of the book. We all need help. We all need help. It's simply a part of being human. Uh, do you believe that? We all need help? Now, so what he's going to do in this book is he's going to say, at some point, you've got to be willing to accept it. And then, at some point, you've got to be willing to give it. Because not only do we all need help, but we all have been empowered to give it. This is what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. And so it's that challenge. If you can read Proverbs up there, that's that passage that we were just talking about with Brother Jason. It says, a man that has friends must show himself friendly, and there's a friend that stays closer than a brother. We all need help. A friend, you know, a friend walks in, or you know, when the world walks out, there's all kinds of little sayings that you can put, around, put on those things. And, but all of us need help. There's not a single person in this room that doesn't need help with their Christian walk. Not a single person, myself included. We all need help, right? But we don't ask for it very often, do we? I mean, I'm not... Don't misunderstand how I'm saying this, but put yourself in my shoes for a moment. Do you know how difficult it is for a pastor to go to someone in his church and say, I'm failing, can you help me? You know what I'm not supposed to do as a pastor? I'm not supposed to fail, right? I'm supposed to be the example, you know? But I take heart with the Apostle Paul who said, the things I know I should do, I don't. The things I know I shouldn't do, I do. It's a constant battle, right? I take hope in you know, knowing that I'm not in this alone, but all of us need help, every single one of us. And the, the, the point of this book is that God has given us the help we need right here. Do you understand? That's what the church is all about. And so this is going to be about asking for help and being a part of the answer. That's what this book's about, being willing to ask for help. And we're gonna, well, he's going to spend the first... Half of this book, or first third of this book, talking about how we are needy people, what we need. And then he's going to spend the last half of the book talking about how we can help and how we can step in and how we can make a difference. And by doing so, we'll fulfill the law of Christ. Let's go on to, uh, to the next slide, please. So 2 Corinthians chapter 1 says this, Who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we 
may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. By the way, circle that word if you turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, on verse 4, that are in any trouble. What troubles left out? What, if, what about the big troubles? And what if it's one of the big things? You know, like, can God, through the gospel, bring someone back from pedophilia? We're like, yeah, they could, Pastor, but we hope it's in another church. <laughs> I mean, don't misunderstand what I'm saying, right? But I'm just trying to say that the Bible says in Second Peter chapter 1 that everything that we need for life and godliness is found in this book. All things that pertain unto life and godliness are right here. Do we believe that? And that God has empowered us that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. Who, who has a bigger trouble than the gospel can, can take care of? I mean, I want you to go back to the first century church for a little bit, right? First century church, you know, you're, you're in Corinth or you're in Ephesus or you're in Colossae and those are pagan, wicked cities whose form of worship often involved sexual favors as a form of worship of their false gods. And I want you to stop and think about this. So you've got two worshipers of false gods who now are sitting in church together on a, on a Sunday across the pews, across the aisle from each other. Can God make that work? He did. He did. You understand? That's the power of the gospel. Do we believe in the power of the gospel? So you can, that any trouble by which uh, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. So he comforts us so that we can then comfort other people, right? That's what he's doing. He comforts us to comfort other people. Uh, so let's go on to the next slide. Let's take a look and see what, uh, what we're going to pull up on this. So here it is. These are some quotes from the book. All right, this is a quote from the book. Weakness or neediness is a valuable asset in God's community. Do you believe that? I'm going to prove it to you by the scripture. Look at the verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. He saith unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in what? Weakness is a valuable asset in the community of God. God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. So when we guys, especially us guys, when we stand over here on our pride and are not going to ask for help, and we refuse to show weakness, we're literally robbing God of the opportunity to show his power. Right? His strength is made perfect in our weakness. It is literally the, the opportunity for God to show himself strong. I love this little saying. I don't know who said it. It's unknown, but it says this. We may not have it all together, but together, we have it all. This is, this is how the church works, right? Now, this is where it's hard. It's hard to be in a church where we allow our weaknesses to be known, right? It's just hard to be in a church to allow our weaknesses to be known. Um, we're guys, right? Uh, I don't, I'm, I'm going to tell them myself right here, you know, but this is us as guys. Um, every time I go to the doctor... They say, 
been a while since you've been here, you need to fill out a new set of forms. It's like starting over. Because to this day, other than when I went to get a COVID shot so I could take that trip to India, I, I'm thinking it's probably five years, Mama, you're here, since I've been to the doctor. I don't go to the doctor. Now, do you think that I never have problems? You know what I am? I'm stubborn, willful, proud, and arrogant, and I'm like, I don't need a doctor. <laughs> and, I, and I feel like I'm pretty healthy. I'm just being honest. I do feel like I'm pretty healthy. But, you know, we don't want to show weakness. And this becomes an issue. He, he brings up in this book that how, how loath we are to go to professionals especially us as guys, right? We can figure it out ourselves. Here's the simple illustration of it. You get something in the mail, in a box, you take it out of the box, and the first thing you do is pull out the instructions, and what do you do with them, guys? Because we are loath to go to the professionals, right? Who needs, I don't need instructions. I can figure this out on my own. That's what we do. Now, we, we approach the rest of our lives that way, and unfortunately, that spills over into our Christian walk. But God has given us a body of believers for a reason. So that that believer over there that went through this problem and was comforted by God can know how to comfort this believer over here who's going through a similar problem and needs help from God. That's what God's done. But if this person never lets anybody know that they've... I'm not pointing to you, Miss Brenda, but it might fit. I don't know. If this person never lets it be known that they could use that help. The person with the ability to comfort has nowhere to go. Do you understand? It, and this gets a challenge. It's, it's a challenging thing, right? Um, weakness or neediness is a value. And neediness is a problem word for me. I'm just being honest. Now, the truth is we're needy people, right? Uh, come ye sinners, poor and needy. That's what we are, right? Weak and wounded, sick and sore. Ouch! That's what we are. And, and yet, we're, we, we, want to not, we want to hide that neediness. But I'm going to tell you, honestly, needy people can also be... You know any needy people? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Neediness has a negative connotation to it. You know, it's like, oh. And so we start avoiding the needy person because we can only carry so much, right? And I do understand that concept. I'm, I'm not suggesting that we all of a sudden become whiners. There's a difference here, right? And I'm not suggesting that we become a church of whiners coming in and saying, oh, woe is me, please somebody help me. No, that's not what we're, what we're looking for. But what we, what we don't want is a bunch of self-sufficient, do-it-on-my-own, pull myself up my, by my bootstraps because I don't even need God to get through life Christians sitting in our church. Right? That's, the, that's a problem. That's a problem. We are all needy people. And if we try to go it alone, it will show. The end result will be that we failed to utilize what God gave us, which was a community of believers who could come alongside and comfort us, strengthen us, admonish us in ways that no one else could. And so it becomes our challenge. We may not have it all together, but together we have it all. This is what God intended. This is how a body of believers works. So what we're going to begin to do on this study is we're going to point out our weaknesses 
And then we want to point out how God can take those weaknesses and make us helpers. So as we are weak, he then utilizes our weakness. I keep looking for the thing to move it over. Go on to the next slide. I keep getting ready to reach for it. So, why do we fear helping people? Listen to what the Bible says here in Romans chapter 15. The Apostle Paul's talking. And I myself, the Apostle Paul says, am persuaded of you, my brethren. So, earlier in that 1 Corinthians chapter 1, or 2 Corinthians chapter 1 passage, uh, we could say, when he said we, we could say, well, maybe he was talking about the apostles. God's comforted us so that we can comfort you. Someone could say that. It doesn't, it's not a natural reading of it. The, the natural reading is that the body of Christ is doing this, right? But here, he takes himself out of the equation completely. I am persuaded this about you. He says that ye are also, are also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to admonish one another. You're able to do this job. That word admonish would be that counseling concept. Able to help someone through the circumstances that they're in. And so here's the thing about the professional, right? If I don't go to a doctor very often, and if I carry that same mentality into my Christian walk, if if I'm not going to seek out professional help, then who's going to help me? Do you understand how this works? Who's going to help me then? So from doctor's standpoint, so we've got a doctor in here, and he knows this happens all the time, right? We come see doc. After we've tried grandma's remedy, great grandma's remedy, we've looked on the internet and tried everything else, and we've talked to, you know, and we're trying all that before we finally get to the professional, right? So if we take that to our spiritual walk, like I've got a big problem here I need to deal with, we're not going to the, we're not going to the pastor, we're not going to the Bible counselor, we're trying to figure it out on our own. That's our our way of life, and. We don't have to do any of that. We've got people all around us that are ready to help us. I'm, I'm persuaded that you're able to admonish one another, to strengthen one another. So what, what causes us to fear helping? Well, here's some that he's written down. You, I'll see if you have any others after we get done with this. The complexities of others' lives. Right? Have you ever looked at somebody and said, their problems are way beyond what I can do to help? Um, so in counseling classes, which I've had, some of you have had, one of the first things they do is they say, they take you to that Second Peter chapter 1 passage where it says that God has given us all things. In this book, everything we need that pertains to life and godliness is found in this book. Amen? Amen. That's what God says. And then somebody walks into your office and says, I've been diagnosed with schizophrenia. Do I still believe that everything that person needs is found in this book? But all of a sudden we look at their problem we're like, uh, I don't know what to do. Right? We, we live in a society, I'm telling you, this happens here at our church. It happens here where we have teenagers come to visit our church and they're struggling to decide which gender they belong to. Does this book give the answer? Or, or are we just welcoming them to find another place because we don't feel comfortable around it? This book has the answer. So we've got to do something with it. One, another reason is because we have troubles of our own, right? It's like, how can I help this person? That's, by the way, that's biblical. It is a biblical concept. How can I remove the splinter out of this guy's eye 
when I've got a moat sticking out of my own eye, right? Or, a, I mean, a board sticking on a plank sticking out of my own eye, right? So it is, it is a legitimate concern. But if you're waiting to be trouble-free, then just go ahead and end it now because that's the only way it happens. You understand? This life is never where we arrive. It doesn't happen until this mortal puts on immortality we're fighting the battle. That's the way it is. So we can't just use this as an excuse. Well, I have troubles of my own, so I'm not going to help somebody else. What? That's like saying, I have troubles of my own, so I'm not going to share the gospel with this guy over here because he might know that I'm doing bad things on, from, on occasion. Wait a minute. Does God still expect us to be a witness? Yes. Does God still expect us to be an encouragement to Christians? Yes. So having troubles of our own, that doesn't work. Our past haunts us. Now, this is a big one. It's bigger than what we think, but I'm going to give an example, and I'm not, that example may reside in this room. I don't know if it does or not, but I'm not trying to, I'm just giving you an example because it's an easy example, all right? So someone that you know that names the name of Christ, maybe somebody in our church at some point, is going through a devastating divorce. I mean, it's just right, I mean, it's, and they're making bad choices and bad decisions, and this is the... And you know that you should go to them and say, hey, brother, have you really thought this through? This is not what the Bible would have you to do. But here's the problem. In your past, you walked out in your family one day. Now, here you are, forgiven, changed, right with God today, but your past is still there. And you're thinking, how could I go and talk to that person? Well, I would tell you, how could you not go to talk to that person? You know, you have a, a great opportunity to understand things in ways that I don't have, that you, can, that you can step into someone's life. And so it becomes a challenge, but sometimes we get haunted by our past. I, I reminded people this morning, I'm more hesitant when I'm putting things out on the airways this morning, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. Uh, so we just, we just had a funeral for, you know, for uh, Lisa Morrison, Van Patterson, however you might remember her. And... This was one of the issues that she was struggling with. You know, she got saved as a Christian, as a teenager, made some bad choices, ended up in prison for 15 years, separated from her family, got out of prison, and died shortly thereafter. But you know, was struggling with being haunted by her past. Could God stay faithful in His promise for salvation to someone who had messed up their lives so desperately? And, of course, the answer we know biblically is yes, right? That's the Bible answer, yes. But that was her issue, right, I, it's because she's haunted by her past. And, and I want to just point something out to you. What does the Bible say God does with our sin once it's forgiven? Give me something that the Bible tells me that God does with our sin. He separates it as far as the east is from the west. Right? I, I love that illustration because... And you've heard me say it, but I'm going to just repeat it just so, I, just so I repeat it. But God didn't say north and south because you can actually measure the distance between north and south. You can walk up and all. At some point, you start heading south, and at some point, you start heading north. But if you start walking east, you never stop walking east. You're forever walking east. If you start walking, because the east and west don't meet. There's not a point at which, oh, this is where east starts, this is where west starts. Right? It, 
It doesn't work that way. And the Bible says God separates our sins as far as the east is from the west. What's another thing God's, God does with our sins? He remembers them no more. So what does that mean, Miss Anna? He never, it's done right now. Don't misunderstand. Does God know that you sinned? It's not like you have knowledge that God doesn't, right? God's all-knowing. He knows you sinned. But he has chosen to never bring those to your account again. We're the only ones dragging our past back up. Not God. Not God. Only us. So when we're haunted by our past, it's not because, it's, that is not called conviction. Do you understand? That's not conviction. That is a lack of trust. That's what that is. And we need to call it what it is. It's not conviction. God's not convicting you for sin. He's already placed, as far as the east is from the west, to remember it. What else does he say about it? Our sin. He does forgive us. He buries in the depths of the sea, right? He, 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 they're gone. They're done. So if you are haunted by your past, just know this. You are haunted by the devil, not by God. That is an ungodly view. Now, I'm not suggesting we make light of the sin of our past, but when we are carrying around guilt that God has already removed from us, we are literally saying that the blood of Jesus Christ wasn't enough. We're spitting on the cross. How dare us? So we ought not be haunted by our past. So don't let that stop you from helping somebody. Here's the last one. The last one's probably the biggest one. We feel unqualified, right? Do you feel unqualified to help people? You know, I, I'm going to tell you, I, I love our church. And we've been, this has been changing over the last 10 years in, in remarkable ways. But when I first became your pastor, every time somebody had a problem, they brought it to me. Hey, pastor, help this person. Pastor, help this person. Pastor, help this person. And I caught hold of this truth here in Romans chapter 15, that, that that's a weak church. Because I am persuaded that you can do this job on your own. And if you're having to... Con- now, I know some things require some extra help. In multitude counselors, there is safety, right? I'm not suggesting you can never come bring somebody to me or whatever. But I am suggesting that when you're the one that God brings that person to and reveals a problem, it is likely that God wants to use you to help that person find the answer to their problem. So if I don't feel qualified, what should I do? Say it again? That's not what I want the first answer to be. Study to show yourself approved unto God, right? Study the book. Because guess what? This book gives you every answer you need, right? You don't have to go to college and get another degree. You know, if you want to, great, go for it. But that's not, you don't have to do that. Study this book. Because this book gives you the answer. And I am persuaded that you are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to do this job. That's what, and this, this is what a community of Christians does for each other. Right? So we come to church and we rub elbows with each other for a reason. So that we can help. So when we feel unqualified, yes, I know sometimes the immediate thing is this person may need immediate help and they don't have time for you to, you know, to spend three years studying it out in the scripture. I understand that. And you need to get some help. But the reality is 
what we need to be doing is figuring out how to understand what we just went through in a way that allows God to use us to help someone else. Because we comfort with the same comfort wherewith we were comforted. Right? So I just went through something for some reason, and whatever it was I just went through, God has a purpose. My job is that, that's what I'm going to study. I don't have to, like, oh, man, there's so many different things. So I need to study up on all these different psycho- psychoses. No, I don't. Study up on what you just went through. Because God's going to take what you just went through, and he's going to let you use it in a very unique way. Right? So that you can comfort with the comfort wherewith you were comforted of, us, of God. And so it's a, it's a great concept for it. So, for instance, Melody and I just went through, this has been a tough year, right, for, uh, for Melody's family. It has been. So her mom died in February, her dad died in June, it, you know, there's, and all the things that went with it. And, so, and for two years before that, it was all the, you know, 24-hour care that was needed for both of them. It was, it's, it's been a tough thing, right? We can whine. We can walk in and tell everybody how much help we need because we're so needy and we've got to be careful. We don't, and you've been great and so gracious about helping us. You really have been. And, and understanding and writing cards and just encouraging has been fantastic. Uh, but what we need to do now, is our job is, let's figure out what God wants to use us to do. Right? There's, there's an opportunity now just around the corner for God. To, so I better study up on all of those little things that we went through and understand them from a biblical perspective so that when somebody else comes up, I'm not just, I'm no longer underqualified. In fact, in many ways, you know, this is how God, God has put you through something that you might view as training. Do you understand? So that hardship that you just went through was, was three and a half years of your college degree or you know it was getting your masters it was god teaching you something if we're if we'll take the time to learn it and figure out how to apply it to someone else god will give us the opportunity to help that next person i've got to stop let's go on to the next slide if we can please oh wait before we do that let's go back anybody else have any reasons why you think we're afraid to help people why do you think we're afraid to help people say it again Oh, the commitment is a little bit strong, isn't it? <laughs> Once you start helping, how do you how do you unwind from it? Can I give you by the, can, by the I mean, let me give you just a piece of advice. Put a timetable on it. Day number one. I, I'm being honest with you. What you don't want is to become the proverbial crutch, right? So what you want to do is say, we're going to do this. But we're only going to do this for four weeks, and then we're going to reevaluate and we'll see what we need to do, right? So that just that's. But you're right. That's like. Once I start, how do I, get, how do I extricate myself from somebody's complex problems? That's a good point, too. Yes, Jesus washed the disciples' feet, but he didn't wash them every time they got dirty, so that's an interesting concept. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that way. Bob? Thank you. 
That's right. Study to show thyself approved unto God, right? That's what we're talking about Sunday. Read the book, read the book, read the book, read the book. All right, now we've got to keep moving on. Let's go. And uh, so here's, here's, catch the bottom left square. This is the perfect system, right? Not because this guy puts it in this book, but because God put it in this book. It's the perfect system, right? God has set, here's the system God's devised. He's going to empower us with the Holy Spirit of God. He's going to give us this book, and then he's going to give us a community of believers to work together. And when all that does what he intends, it's a perfect system to bring us to the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. To bring us to the maturity, or Ephesians chapter 4, the perfect, you know, that perfect man. That's what he's trying to get us to, right? That maturity. And, but it's all got to work together. We can't leave anything out. It's a perfect system. So here's, here's the thing that he, uh, he really focuses on. This is a quote from the book. Friends are the best helpers. Take a note why. They come prepackaged with compassion and love. I want you to hear this. If I'm helping you, I'm all about it. You know why? I know you. I love you. I already have compassion on you. It's a prepackaged, right? We already have a relationship. But if you bring, you know, your sister from Montana in and say, Pastor, she needs help here, you counselor. Do you know what it doesn't come prepackaged with? Now, I love her in that, in, that I, in that Christ loves her through me, right? But it's not the same. It's not the same. It works better the way God intended it, and that is that the body, every joint supplying, every joint working together, to, to accomplish the strengthening of the body. That's what God intended. And it's the perfect system when we carry it out. It doesn't work if we don't carry it out. It's a perfect system when we carry it out. So they come prepackaged with compassion and love. All they need is wisdom, and that is available to everyone, right? If any man lack wisdom, if any man, any of you, if anybody in this room, anybody who names any lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who might give it to you. Is that what it says? No, who give it to all men liberally and upbraideth not. That's the God that we have. So if all I need, I've already got the compassion and love for each other, if all I need is wisdom, hello, got it, right? Now all I need to do is be obedient to God. And that becomes, it's called walking side by side, walking with others in wisdom and love. That's going to be the book that we're going to study together. Is that the last slide? I thought so. So it's the perfect system. We've got to stop anyway because it's time for prayer. Anybody have prayer requests? Yes, Miss Anna? So we can pull new things to get used to. She's had a couple of 
needs a job. Okay, so she needs a job. So the she is Miss Brooke, their daughter, just so in case you're trying to put all that together. Uh, been diagnosed with diabetes recently, and they're trying to get a pump, uh, which would be great help, and she needs a job. So if anybody knows the job situation, somebody else. Brian? Yeah. She had a stroke? So one of the one of the interns was reading uh, something from Michael's post that she also seized. Did she have a seizure? No, 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 it was a stroke. Okay, okay. Okay, all right. So, all right, so pray for Brian's mom. Anybody else? Maybe you can share prayer requests in your groups, but I just wanted to see what was up there. Okay, so... Um, I'll try to get these books if you want one. Uh, I found them on Christian book distributors. That's the cheapest, and we buy them in bulk. I can get them down to about ten bucks. They're not they're not cheap books, but uh, fifteen bucks would go on Amazon. So if you'll be patient, we'll try to get some in for you, and, uh, and we'll go from there. All right. Break up into prayer prayer groups, and when you're done, you can be dismissed. <laughs>